Hey there, welcome to Storytime with Ellie podcast, and I am your host, Ellie. Today we're going to be discussing a sensitive topic that does affect many people. Autism is a complex and emotional issue, and we understand that it could be very difficult to talk about. However, we believe it's important to have these conversations in order to raise awareness and promote an understanding. Our guest today has personal experience with autism and has graciously agreed to share her story with us. We want to create a safe space for this discussion, and we ask that you listen with an open mind and heart. Without further ado, let's welcome Beth from Virginia. Thank you, Ellie. Hey, Beth. Hey, Beth. Thank you, Ellie. I appreciate you having me on tonight. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, so, Beth, what do we want to start out with today? Um, okay. So I think I think we could probably start with uh, with today. We're going to tell Anthony's story. Uh, I'm going to tell you everything I I can from my perspective mm-hmm. uh, as Anthony's parent. Um, and I, I think probably to start with, we could start with when it uh, when it began for him and I as a journey. Um, he was uh, he was roughly two years old when I started to notice some of the symptoms that um, we see through uh, through our pediatricians and the milestones that children would have. Um, we started to see some of that being in not happening, uh, particularly speech. Um, and, and direct eye contact, things like that. Uh, and so the, the, the concern was there. Uh, but I will say, um, be prepared because it's an emotional roller coaster once you are willing to accept the idea that there might be something going on. Uh, as a parent, I didn't know who to turn to. Um, I had the beauty of having someone in my life who also had a child that was uh, diagnosed with autism and uh, he was able to help me get started through the school system, um, which is an actually a, a little bit different of a route than a lot of parents are able to take. Uh, we contacted our local school district when Anthony was two and a half years old, um, and they began the process of evaluating him, uh, and he saw all of the appropriate doctors for them to be comfortable making the diagnosis. Uh, and that's truly where it began. Um, it began a long road uh, that I believe we're walking on very carefully, but purposefully. Uh, and it is a group effort by all means. Um, you are, as a parent, you have a lot of emotion to deal with in the beginning uh, and it's all appropriate. It's all good emotion. Um, you have to let it happen in order for you to get to a place where you can be focused on helping your child. Beth, um, when did you notice a difference in Anthony? When, um, what made you, what brought your attention to him um, on his growth development? Like, what made you? I think it was primarily the lack of speech. By the time he was two and a half, he had uttered mm-hmm. no words, uh, which, as I understand, is pretty common. Um, they, the, uh, the beauty of it now, as, as we've advanced is there's actually many more subtle symptoms that a child will display earlier in life, uh, that gives 
uh, gives parents an opportunity to diagnose earlier and get intervention in earlier. Uh, but when Anthony was diagnosed almost 14 years, well, 12 years mm -hmm. ago now, um, that was about the time we started seeing the lack of developmental milestones uh, and had to start questioning things. I got you. Um, would you be able to share with us maybe with some of the earlier symptoms that maybe a parent could look for in something like that? Uh, well, I, so I don't want to steer, I want to steer clear of being symptomatic because I'm not a doctor. Um, this is my experience right. with mm -hmm. Penny and everyone's experience is different. Um, but I will say some of the traditional signs of, of a lack of eye contact um, as a toddler or as a one and a half year old, uh, if you're not getting them to look directly at you when you're talking, uh, that's one of the big symptoms. Um, uh, again, not verbal, not having utter, not really wanting to utter any words. Um, but you the, noticed the, that, but you probably didn't know it was that he had that, correct? Like when he was, you probably noticed that. Uh, we noticed the deficiencies. We did not, I did not have the experience as a, as a, again, I was, I'm just a parent who was looking for, he was my second child. So I had, I did have a daughter. Uh, I do have a 20 year old daughter who uh, came before him. So there was a, a parent differences in their development by that mm -hmm. point. Um, but I have to say one of the things that I want parents to understand, particularly in the beginning is there's a lot of emotional, um, putting aside that you have to do in order to not only seek out the diagnosis, but put aside any blame or any uh, angst about why uh, and realize that the earlier diagnosis and the earlier intervention is helpful, is most helpful to your child. And that's what you want to do at the end is be able to help guide them through this, um, a different path in life than what you may have done with other children, with your other children. Uh, they certainly have a path. We just have to find a different path for them than the ones we're used to. Got you. Was it challenging to accept? And how did the whole family change when this when this came about? So um, there's so everyone accepts things at their own pace. Uh, again, I think that the initial reaction when when your child's diagnosed on the spectrum uh, is to understand why. Um, and then, and, and therefore maybe uh, pinpoint a reason for it. And there is no reason, nothing that we're, that we can confidently in today's society say this very specific action or this very specific inaction uh, caused this problem. And again, that, that is, uh, it takes a lot for you as a human, and, but as a parent to uh, be able to say, it's not important for me to find that out now. Now my focus has to just be directed on how do I support my child the best way I can um, it, with these with these obstacles? Um, one of the things that's not talked about enough is how stressful being a caregiver of a child on the spectrum is. It is uh, very stressful for the whole family mm -hmm. because although we never, as parents, want to show that we have a favorite, inevitably in this situation, one sibling gets more attention than the other. Correct. Uh, so I, I urge new diagnosed parents to be aware that this is a family affair uh, and that everybody's got to be on board. And, and you have to be cognizant that a lot more of your time and energy may be going to that special needs child. Um, if you have other children, 
please include them as much as possible. Please isolate time for just them. Uh, the same thing for your spouse. You know, you have to still take time to foster those relationships. And it's very easy to get wrapped up in being a caregiver and give all of your care to only the child, uh, you know, the, the special needs child. That's yeah. um, a lot. And if you don't mind me asking, um, I may have asked before, um, how did it affect you and your husband and the family when it was, even before the dying, I mean, when you started bringing him to test to see if he had autism, because you, you, they suspected it. How so did think, the whole family um, come together with this? How um, did they accept it? So I think that I think that it was a struggle. Uh, again, as I said, everybody comes to terms with things on their own time. Um, and while I may have been willing to accept the diagnosis when I did, uh, not everybody else in the family was willing. They still were anxious a, a, about what I, they thought I might have been, uh, might have been overreactions to his lack of development. Um, I think it, it just, you know, the apparentness of it, that all comes, the acceptance of the diagnosis comes for each family member separate, differently. Um, I would say that I probably, uh, by just a little bit, accepted it sooner than my husband did, um, but not by much. I mean, he had to make the same adjustments that I do, uh, that I did, and, and, you know, we have tackled this together. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is, but just by nature of the way it happens, um, you're going to probably end up in a single income family. Um, and that's mm. hard to do today. That's a big thing. Uh, yeah. So you're now, you're now the primary caregiver of a special needs child and you're doing it on half the amount of money that a normal uh, situation would allow. Um, so you have to get really creative about things and you have to be sure to be um, to be okay with that and, and to realize that there's some sacrifices that will have to be made. Uh, at least we did. Wow. Beth, Beth um, my name is Phil. I have an um, autistic child. He's uh, nonverbal. He's, he'll be 11 this year. And you've been hitting everything on the head. Uh, for one, me and my wife decided not to have any more children because we know that he requires so much attention. But one thing that you, you said that I wanted to touch back on is that uh, we're in a lot of autism groups on Facebook or whatever. And mm -hmm. the majority of those uh, people in those groups are either divorced or separated. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. That's what I was, yeah. And I was going to ask her, I mean, her and her husband been together for how long? And I mean, uh, 21 years, um, 21 years. Yeah. yeah. And it, and, and it wasn't, make no mistake, it was not an easy transition. No. Um, because it, because I had to come to terms with it and he had to do that separately. Um, but the one thing I will say is that we've also been very conscious of the fact that we still have to have some time for ourselves and some relationship that does not 100% include caring for Anthony in a special mm -hmm. way. You know, even if it's nothing more than having my sister... Uh, babysit one night and just going and having a date night. Um, right. We still, you we have to it together. You kept it together. You have to be cognizant that it's a relationship um, and a joint effort. And the other one is putting in just as much effort as you are. And when you're doing that together, you can only benefit the child there. But yeah, unfortunately the divorce rate within the autistic community, uh, the parents is, is very high. And I, and, and it's because it is, it is a stressful position to be in. 
There was a there was not too long ago in our history when uh, a child born with special needs uh, into a family, the recommendation was to put them in an institution and 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 forget about it because there and although is that is absolutely the wrong thing we now know to do yeah. uh we have to accept that it comes with a lot of stress um a lot of additional stress on the family unit when we when we do the right thing and keep our children home and guide them through their childhood and into adult into adulthood and what we affectionately i think call forever children um children, you know we all hope for them to go out on their own and be independent um, with a little bit of knowledge that there's a possibility they'll be dependent on us for, for their adulthood as well. So, wow, I, we thought I thought I came up with that term, but never mind. Yeah, <laughs> oh, which, yeah. forever children. <laughs> forever oh. children. Hey, listen, there's kids that don't have autism that are forever children. They don't have that. <laughs> right? We we all have some. Well, I know. I know. There's people that I mean, there are some that are that way. Um, but Beth, you're even like you have an older daughter. How did she, I mean, she grew up as a beautiful young lady in college, works, and successful too. Mm -hmm. But how did you, I mean, you you juggled all that. I mean, it was a lot. I, I'm sure that she will tell you there's some things that she missed out on one-on-one -on -one time. Mm -hmm. uh, I did my very best to make sure they did have, that she did have one-on-one -on -one time with me to, um, because it, in any family unit, again, we all, if you have more than one child, there's always a thought that one of them is being favored. And so I was, I was, I tried very hard not to, to, I mean, to not have her feel like we were favoring Anthony because she was too young to really grasp the idea that he needed more attention as opposed to um, just me giving him more attention for her, for the sake of. So it's, it takes a lot of work and I'm sure I, I'm sure I had moments where she felt very alone and felt like we were paying more attention to her brother because he needed it. And, and, you know, as she gets older, um, and as she grew older, she understood it more. Uh, yeah. but that's part of it being a family situation. Strong, very strong. What challenges or successes did you, um, have with school IEPs and social interactions? with Anthony? So, uh, so Phil can attest to this. The IEPs are something of an interesting um, uh, dilemma. Um, the IEP stands for Individualized Educational Program. Okay. It's required by the it's required by federal law that anybody that has a disability uh, and is going through school has an individualized plan that is intended to help them work on deficiencies. Uh, in Anthony's case, we made a very conscious decision that the first few years of his schooling from pre-K through the elementary years, the primary focus was going to be on speaking and learning to speak and vocalizing because, uh, and reading, maybe to the exclusion of a lot of other things, but the thought was the more we could uh, implant verbiage and speech uh, and, and reading on him in those early years, the better we would be able to teach him in the later years. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I will um, tell you, Phil, my son ended up only learning to speak because he was echolalic. Uh, he liked being able to watch videos over and over again. And mm -hmm. he likes being able to mimic what they're saying. Yes. And mm -hmm. he has virtually taught himself his vocabulary uh, appropriately by mimicking other 
characters on a show or on a, on a cartoon. Interesting. Or a when, when did he, when did he learn? When did he, when did he start speaking? It's, I, I would say he started right around nine, 10, 11, um, actually coming out with where he was speaking, but he was speaking in a pro it wasn't, they were inappropriate timed uh, phrases, but they were ver they were words. They were just, he was just figuring out how to develop his vocabulary um, and how to place those words in an appropriate time. But it wasn't until nine, 10, 11 that he started doing that. And, and like I said, now he's pretty fluent. Uh, you'll see when he wants something, he backs himself into a, a sentence. He'll get the, 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 gist of the sentence out first of what he wants and then start backfilling it with appropriate things like I want or can I please nice. have yeah. things like that. But, you know, so he may say drink or Coke uh, and then he'll kind of back into I would like Coke, please. Um, nice. But this is again, this is all stuff that he self he I would say he virtually taught himself a lot of that. Uh, mm -hmm. His uh, his affinity for being on technology and for using tablets uh he has an ipad that he doesn't go anywhere without that he uses all of the time um and he has done amazing things with it far and beyond anything i could have taught him and did he have a social media account he did so, <laughs> but there's this funny story that I, he literally had a social media account and he had fought right he was posting pictures i did a little investigation he was posting on a youtube account yeah he made himself a youtube he, he made, account he made himself with, a youtube account i mean with, i don't even know how to do that i don't know how to do it either and i it kind of came to me by accident i was working on a project that i had an email address for and they were getting ready to shut down the email addresses and somebody from the tech department called me back and said hey what do you want to do with your youtube channel and i said I, I don't have a youtube channel what are you, what are you talking about and they said well somebody's been part pro posting oh my god children's was, videos yeah, under this name <laughs> and has thousands of hits so we just yeah he said i just can't in all good conscience shut this channel down like we have to figure out a way to get it from here to you um but so yeah i mean <laughs> who who would have yeah. thought yeah uh, so then i started looking through his tablet and realized that isn't that he's got <laughs> different editing pro video editing programs on there that he's been yeah and splicing up different videos to post um and he figured it out all on his own I phil mean, I you might need to hire him here <laughs> there we go yes <laughs> i, I think we got a job for anthony I need an editor here <laughs> yeah i mean that and is just amazing i'll be honest with you that is where uh that is where now because his skills have shown me that's his interest. That's now where we're taking his real life learning skills for the future. He's getting ready to go into high school next year. And they're really, uh, they're, they're emphasized uh, or focused on uh, trying to gear him towards his lifelong uh, career um, and how he can be successful. And that is the direction I'm taking. I'm not, uh, I'm not entirely sure that the school, the public school system is capable of handling the details on things like that, but we're searching for additional support to help him to help foster that ability to edit and to do things like that. And honestly, um, that kind of the idea that he might be able to do that um, comes from what every parent who has a child on the spectrum should understand is your child has a skill. You just have to figure out what it is. Right. They'll yeah. show you Beautiful. if you're let them. Uh, they'll show you what their interest is, 
And like every child we raise, whether they're neurodivergent or neurotypical, everyone has to find what's their passion in life and they hopefully make that their living. Um, and so that's what we're doing with him. That's the, Correct. So there's no difference between him or, say, a child that doesn't have autism. They, no. he's, he's still going to make decisions on where he's going to do or what he's going to do in his future. And it sounds like he's going to be working for Phil. No. <laughs> what state, what state, what state are you in Beth? Virginia. Virginia. Okay. I'm from Virginia, but, uh, um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, because here in Florida, it's, it was very difficult for us to get any help for him. I, mm, that was one of my questions, Beth. I wanted to ask you, but yeah. Yeah. it's a different state compared to Florida, which Phil, you would know yeah. more Florida. Is there help for stuff like this? Is there programs you can get the kids in and, or or f financially even? would they? Is there some kind of help that you can get for your children when they have autism? Well, so from from my perspective, and, and I'm interested to hear Phil's just briefly, is mm -hmm. uh, the state of Virginia, um, let me first say that Medicaid is what, what is the service that would offer support. Um, and they, they do it based on the child's disability. Uh, and so you have to be patient and go through a bunch of red tape to uh, go through your local Medicaid office and get your child listed on the spectrum or listed as having a disability. Um, and although that's a federally funded um, program, Medicaid's are run by the states themselves. So they set the criteria for what they will and will not do. Uh, he has a waiver that... Uh, allows him we had to apply for a waiver and that waiver as assigns him an insurance company in this case it's optima insurance or optima health um they pay for a care attendant to come to the house to support me oh god okay. and to support him um in lieu of and they see this as being something they would rather pay for uh, a care attendant to come and help me in my home with him for 30 hours a week than have to pay what would have, what would inevitably be his costs if he was institutionalized. So for the insurance companies, it's a better balance for them. It's better for the families to have your child at home. Um, they can work with you and teach you how to how to be a better uh, how to be better at, at identifying triggering moments for your child um, and how to soothe them, how to tell, teach them to wow. self. -soothe. That is fantastic. That they have that in Florida, Phil. It's it was it's a little different uh, in Florida. So um, when we first tried to get him on disability, we kept getting denied because they were saying I made too much money. So they were giving us nothing. Wow, no help. Well, so no the, nothing. the disability shouldn't have anything to do with your finding. Well, uh, it doesn't. It's not anything to do with the parents. It's well, all in about Florida the sounds like you're saying it yeah, is. In Florida, yeah. in Florida, it is. They go. It by shouldn't go by that for the household. Wow. Um, so yeah, I had to technically divorce my wife. And put myself on child support so he can get Medicaid. And, terrible. And um, that is terrible. Help. Terrible. Separate address. I had to do all mm -hmm. of it just so he can get. And it wasn't like I was making the money that I'm making now as a business owner. I was working a regular job at the hospital making $13 an hour. Wow. And it was that's just too much. Sorry, that's disgusting, really, that they would not help on something like, like something that's. I'll say like it. That. It's bullshit. Sorry. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I call bullshit. Totally. Wow, that I you had to divorce your wife and do put, all that. Put, put Meanwhile, like, like, you're, like you're not going, yeah, like you're not going through enough getting this diagnosis exactly. and having the deal with this child, let alone the emotional side of it, like that. Oh gosh, terrible. 
Hey, I got a question about about Anthony. Um, did you guys have any problem or difficulty with him potty training? We did. I thought for oh my goodness, I thought he was never going to be potty trained. Oh um, I want to say, and it, as with most things with Anthony, it's a matter of when he puts his mind to it, he's it's done. You know, he's 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 obsessive about accomplishing something in a short period of time once his mind is focused there. Um, the trick is to getting them, you know, to focus on what we want them to, as opposed to just anything. But, um, I do remember it for a long time and, um, some of the unfortunate, um, uh, fascinations that would happen, uh, with bathroom <laughs> time. Yeah. Um, it didn't, but it did eventually he got to the point where it didn't, he just was okay with not being in, in a diaper anymore. And, um, a couple of accidents here and there, but nothing to nothing to be. It was very quick. Once and that happens with a regular child. I say regular child, but you know, a child that does not have autism, they have right. accidents. So it just happened a lot later in life. Yeah, like I think Anthony went to school in diapers at, at six, seven, eight years old. He was nine. He was still in diapers. So. Yeah. All now, right. Well, tell us about tell, tell us about his favorite foods though, because my son only eats three or four different things. So <laughs> wait, let me guess. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> Chicken nuggets, yes. <laughs> All right, you got that one down. All right. Uh, Chicken nuggets, french fries, pizza, tacos, cheese, yeah, that's, that's, goldfish. That's, that's so, funny. Oh, all right, come on now. Come on, you guys. Now you're saying they have diets at certain diets. <laughs> oh, they do. And it's, but so oh. I'm told that it's it's textural. I'm told that it's a um a textural thing that it's and that he uh, doesn't like certain items, certain the texture of certain things. Now, I will say he goes through these periods of time where he's just very selective about it. Uh, he will eat, he will always eat chicken nuggets and French fries. Um, for a while, he would eat just That's random one-item things. Uh, he would have me make Brussels roasted Brussels sprouts for oh like three weeks a at a time. Two days, two times a day, he would eat roasted Brussels sprouts, and that's it. And by the way, that stinks up the house. <laughs> um, same thing with roasted mushrooms. That was uh, he would only eat roasted mushrooms, and then he would eat McDonald's in between. Um, faux soup, which is very weird. Um, yeah, his sister made faux soup one time, which is really just beef broth and shaved meat uh, and and rice noodles. But he would eat that, and then he would eat chicken nuggets and those. But so he picks something uh, that he'll eat for well, a long time, and then he won't eat it, and, and then he won't eat it ever again. Well, on the same token, at least it's easier to right. like feed him. You know, you know, he's going to eat chicken nuggets and rice soup for the next three weeks. For size, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate the idea that he eats chicken nuggets every day, but at least he's eating. Oh, who cares? <laughs> I've got stock in McDonald's. What are you talking about? Come on, we eat chicken nuggets sometimes every day. <laughs> you should see my you should see my bill that I spend every month on McDonald's. Oh, I have the app and I'm like one of their gold star customers. <laughs> they know me by name when I pull up. Oh, that's funny. Like here comes Beth and Anthony. That's, that's so cute. Funny. That's so funny. Wow. Hey, uh, wow. I want to ask some more questions because this is essentially an interview yeah. for my son, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how, is, how is Anthony's relationship with other children? Because uh, my son, Dominic, he doesn't even see them. Like he, They're like other kids are invisible to him. Oh, wow. So I think Anthony does a lot of that, too. He does a lot of the parallel play. But we, I had, we've been blessed that I have um, three nieces and nephews. Uh, and I've always had a big family around. So 
um, he's he's grown up with other children that just naturally accepted him because he was part of the family and they didn't know any different. Um, and then he would spend time at my sister's house uh, for a while and she was in an apartment complex. Um, and so he would spend time with my niece and um, her friends at the playground and the children, the other children were very easy to explain to um, basically say that, you know, Anthony may not answer you, but could you try to please keep him involved? And he wouldn't really verbalize nice. with them, but he would play alongside of them. And, you know, when he got overwhelmed, he'd kind of pull himself to the side and he'd do a little bit of stemming to get himself back on track. And then he'd come back into playing parallel playing. I think if your son is tolerating playing alongside other children, that's a plus for you. It's just him getting more and more comfortable with interacting socially. And we we know that one of the biggest struggles children on the spectrum have is their social and emotional skills um, and recognizing their peers' social and emotional uh, um, actions, basically. So I would say he plays alongside of them. Interacting with them is very sporadic. Um but he does interact with them well enough to pick up some bad habits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell you a very front, small story um, on that one, and then I'll, I'll let Phil chime back in. But I got a call about two years ago um, from Anthony's teacher at the time, and she said, listen, we have a little bit of a problem. Anthony is kind of bullying one of the other kids that he normally is really friendly with. Oh, wow. Um, and I said, wow, I, what, you know, what do you mean? What is he doing? And, and she said, well, the other child uh, doesn't like it when people clap in front of him. And Anthony will go up to him and kind of giggle at him and then clap right in front of him. And it's upsetting the other child. But then Anthony will giggle. And I said, I, I said, we can, you know, we absolutely have to tell him that that's wrong and that it, it bothers Joe. Let's just say the other kid's name was Joe um, because he wouldn't want to hurt Joe's feelings. But I do have to say that that's kind of how most 10 year olds play with each other. They just kind of annoy yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah, they do I annoy each other. So I think he's taking his clue from having hung out with all of the other children and what they do to annoy each other. And so he was bringing he that to the classroom to one of his friends and just saying, you know, I just want to annoy you a little bit because I'm trying to be, you know, regular you he, playing with you. <laughs> See, he's got some learning skills there. He's picking up those bad habits. <laughs> but wow. it, uh, it caused him to engage with his peers, and that yeah. was the good thing. I um, think so, yeah. <laughs> yep. One thing I noticed about my son is that he, although he's still nonverbal, he's the loudest person I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh. Encourage him to sing. Yeah, he does. He, he hums. You he know, hums. I was gonna, I bet I was gonna ask ask you to say this to Phil and he, like give him some suggestions that maybe he could help with his son a little. It's, if you don't mind, Phil, Phil. It sounds like you've uh, you've got a good beat on this just because you know so much of what is what you uh, what you should be doing and what's what's good for your son and what's not good for your son, and that's a lot of it is just reading their cues and letting that. You know, keeping the bumpers on when they're safe, um, to keep them safe. But at the same time, let them explore the world and have that confidence that comes with it. The confidence that he gets from singing and you reacting positively to it is what will lead him to feel confident to speak. Courage. It'll courage him. And, yeah, I get and, it. and yes, it's that's it's Beautiful. that mm -hmm. unsaid 
acceptance of him and everything that is going on that's going to keep encouraging him. So you're doing a great job. That's mm -hmm. all. You just, you yeah. know, we'll stumble over it and you do it all as best you can. Yeah, wow. it's 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 a definite blessing, but it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I, you, you said earlier that you had a big you have a big family. Uh, uh, my side, my stuff, we don't. It was just it's just us here in this whole state, right? Um, I think Ellie asked you this question earlier, but were you in denial when you were when you were getting um, any symptoms when you were seeing some of these signs? Because we were, we were like, no, no, yeah, yeah that's no. <laughs> so uh, for the first probably six or seven months of seeing some of these symptoms. Um, God bless her. One of my close friends is a special ed, a, a former special ed teacher, and she and I saw them together. Uh, but she also had the blessing of knowing that I wasn't ready to face it until I was ready to talk to her about it. You know, she would kindly prod me to say, don't you think that, you know, do you think that maybe this should be the case? And, and she just would leave it at that. Um, because I think that until I was willing to say, yes, this is what we're dealing with. Um, and I still had members of my family that refused to accept it because I think in their mind, again, this is a little bit further, a little bit longer ago, um, was not quite as, as well advertised as it is today. Uh, but a lot of the perception was what we saw, I hate to say it, it's, it was Dustin Hoffman's portrayal in Rain Man was what most people thought yeah. autism was. Yep. Um, and they were just, there was a denial in, in some of the family that that's what Anthony was dealing with because they were like, that's not, you know, we don't see that in him. Um, and, and so, yes, there was a lot of denial in the beginning. I, I don't I don't pretend to always have the, uh, the upper hand on saying, okay, it's not my fault. There's nothing I could have done to change it, but I can change what's gonna happen in the future. Um, you know, that's the headspace you have to get in as a parent in order to be able to help your child. And, and you know that it's irrelevant what happened right now, because that's that there'll be time in, in there'll be time later to try and figure all that out. You're on a, a, a timeline now with your child to get as much information and as much support to them as you can, as their, as their brains are forming in these formative years. Uh, before habits become too much to over override, uh, before situations become something you have to deal with, um, rather than learn, you know, a behavior, you'd rather they learn a good behavior before they have to counter with a bad behavior. So. Wow. Okay. Um, Beth, now, um, Phil, yeah. do you, your, um, your son is on medical marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Yes, I mean, yeah. Now, Beth, is that legal in Virginia? Do they let the children have a medical marijuana? Um, I think that they, uh, the neurologists, you you might be hard pressed to find a neurologist here that would prescribe it. Mm. Um, and I, so I don't know what the laws are. Um, I know that there is. I worked with the uh, matter of fact. I worked with the General Assembly um in 2015 when we were putting together the package for producing cbd oil um and that's a whole different situation but the cbd oil extracts that are uh, helpful for children who have interstructed epilepsy was one of the only things that was able to control it 
Um, and that was actually the beginning of freeing up the medical cannabis bill here in Virginia, um, was we started with hemp and with the CBD oils, uh, and then they eventually evolved to having straight uh, medical cannabis certificates. Um, so I don't, I'm sorry that I don't know whether or not Virginia allows it for children, but I know they certainly do for adults. Uh, and, and as an adult, uh, once he's 18, his condition would definitely qualify him for it. Um, I have, uh, uh, you know, I will say that I personally have had a thought or an interest as to if it would be helpful. Uh, luckily, we are not dealing, we, Anthony doesn't deal with any of the medical comorbidities that can come with the spectrum, uh, 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 autistic diagnosis, um, except for maybe the lack of appetite and uh, a little bit of the pica, but, um, so I don't know, I don't know exactly how I think it might help him in this, at this point. Well, I was going to ask Phil, being that your son does take the medical marijuana. Yeah. So, so what's your opinion? So my son is, uh, he's 10 and he's already five foot eight and 200 pounds. Oh, wow. Wow. He's, uh, very aggressive. He's very aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. He gets it from his mom. <laughs> uh, but the reason why I think the medical marijuana helps him, uh, honestly, I'll be, it's a game changer. Honestly, it is a game changer. It helps him with his mood. Uh, mm-hmm. it, hel- it helps him focus. It definitely helps him focus because he also does have ADHD and he's also diagnosed with schizophrenia. Oh my gosh. So, you know, That's all another. the doctors were like, let's get, let's pump him with this drug, let's pump him with this drug, mm-hmm. let's pump him with this drug and this drug and this drug. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, yeah. I don't want him to be relying on all these things that will end up hurting him in the future. Let's try, mm-hmm. let's try with this and see how it does. And I think it's a game changer. I think I think it's Well, it's work. it's funny you just said that. I mean, change the program but i have a friend of mine her, and her son has a uh, paranoia schizophrenic and that kid is on so much medic well medication maybe he should try medical marijuana and we are not doctors so don't go off our no 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 <laughs> yeah we're not doctors we're please we're not doctors we're just talking not at all, not at all. our perception of what we're you know thinking. oh plus he also has a paradoxical effect with some meds so what that means is sometimes uh when he takes a medication the opposite effect of what's intended will happen oh. yeah yeah so that's so that's so it's beautiful that you are willing to go out on a limb and and look for um something that might be less detrimental to him uh in the long run than any of the pharmaceuticals that we could uh, you know we, somehow we became a country or a world that thinks it's better to um synthesize our our resources instead of look to the nature um and and what nature can give us uh so i'm yeah. always going to be an advocate of not nature first um, and you probably have done your son a wonderful uh, advantage by not getting him uh, hooked on benzodiazepines, which are usually um, the, the go-to. Uh, you can't even detox from those. So you oh prevented God. a lifelong addiction for him as far as I'm concerned. Terrible. And that's, again, just our opinion. But, you know, it's it's and I'm not saying it's horrible if you have to use that to to maintain the child's life. I mean, I, I do know that there are a lot of parents, a lot of children who um, are on the spectrum, cannot control that urge, aggressive urge, even if they wanted to. Um, uh, luckily, Anthony is a lot smaller than that. Uh, so his tantrums are are still, I'm still able to physically control. Um, 
Wow, you have a big son though. Five? You said five eight? Yeah. yeah. So can I can I be can I be completely candid with? The, and he's the eleven years old. Um, Absolutely. I, I might I might get a little emotional here, but I'll tell you what my fear is. Right. Um, this is Florida. It's a it's a almost a police state. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I worry about is because my son is nonverbal and he is aggressive. You know, um, sometimes if he's in public, he'll have a tantrum. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. My son looks like. A black male. He's a black male. And, you know, uh, we have had the police called a couple of mm-hmm. times. Luckily, mm-hmm. the officer that did come was educated and they did understand. But sometimes there may not be a situation where they are educated and my son cannot communicate with an officer. Oh, my God. This or, is... you know, or if something happens where my wife yeah. is incapacitated or busy. Mm-hmm. My worst my worst fear is something happening to him because he couldn't communicate verbally. Do you have any issues or any concerns about that with Anthony? Uh, I do. I, um, and what I, um, and I'll tell you the, the key to that though, Phil is, is you and I, uh, it's our, we have to be out there, um, educating them. And I worked with a group of, of people here. I don't do a whole lot with the autistic groups, mainly because I just don't have the uh, that extra amount of time. Um, but one thing that was very important to me was police and, and EMS training um, and just the awareness of somebody displaying a handful of signs. Your first thought, if a child, you know, if you're running into somebody who's doing the hand flickering, um, which I'm, I'm not sure if your son does, but I know Anthony does, or if he's not looking at you with eye contact, that police officer has a matter of seconds to decipher whether or not that's a person on drugs or a person that, mm. that needs that's disabled. And so what I want them to do is have as much information on looking for those clues uh, so they don't automatically assume it's a threat to their life that they would that they would rather say it, it, it almost becomes a second nature in their mind to go, oh, they trained us at this, that you know, these are things that we should, we could, we would need to look for in our adults. Fact of the matter is the statistics are out there that there is going to be a huge influx of adult population, uh, people who are on the spectrum and that will not act uh, what others perceive as normally. Uh, and the police that are charged with protecting us are charged with protecting your son and my son too. They just need mm. to know how to protect them. Yeah. Uh, and so we need to, I mean, we need to be very adamant about it. Um, and, and not just, again, not just with police officers, but all first responders, um, you know, firemen need to understand that the first instinct for a child on the spectrum is to hide when they feel in danger. Uh, they, so they need to look if there's an, if they're in a fire situation where they know there's a child in there, uh, on the spectrum, they need to look under the beds. They need to look in the closets first because wow, those children are not, that, that is, that is something that should be, uh, and, and it's getting there through some of the different advocacy groups, but it's getting there to the point where um, we just, we need to teach them and we have no, there's just, it has to happen. They have to know it as part of their job. But well, I do also point. in fear of that. Um, yeah. Uh, great point there. Yeah, I, mm. I, I worry. I definitely worry because he's going to get bigger. You know? Well, yeah, and that's another thing. He's super, he's big. Did you meet him, Ellie? You didn't no. Meet him yet. You didn't meet him yet, did you? Mm. Oh, I got to bring him in here. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Do you, uh, Beth, do you have any advice for um, new parents who have a child that just got diagnosed? Uh, take a couple of deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> More than that. 
Yeah. Uh, there is take a couple deep breaths and realize there's a lot out there for you in support, but there's a lot out there and it's going to all come at you fast and furious and you just have to take it one step at a time. Um, and you just have to realize that you're, you're, it's changed. You're not alone. Uh, you can find a lot of support services for yourself and for your child. Um, and, and it's, if you, you know, I'm always, a, I'm always happy to be a resource, even if it's just to, you know, point somebody in the right direction. Like, you know, when you, particularly here in Virginia, how to go through the application process for his Medicaid waiver, um, how to, you know, how just the different steps of, of, of parenting and how they change. Um, I, I would just, again, I would say if you're a newly diagnosed uh, family, just you spend some time getting used to it, but you have to get up and, and do the right thing for your child. Good answer. Thank you, Beth. Um, another question. What do you think about ABA therapy? Uh, we used ABA therapy for a couple of years uh, and it was very helpful in, because Anthony, uh, when he was younger, I would say between the ages of six and 10, uh, he very much had, a temper. He had a temper. Uh, and I did worry that as he got older, we wouldn't be able to redirect it. Um, and what I found was it really what it taught me was just how to how to, it actually taught me more probably than it taught him, um, but was how to spot what was going to trigger him and try to gear away from it and then try to gear, you know, help him get out of tantrums that he gets into. Uh, and it was so it was helpful for for him and it was helpful for me um, in understanding that, you know, everybody gets frustrated sometimes. And that's what it is, is you see that those outbursts a lot of times are frustrating. The frustrations coming out uh, in the best of, that they know how. Um, and so it was it's really it was helpful in learning how to redirect a lot of that. So here's here's a tough question that I get in arguments with people who don't know. Right. How do you mm -hmm. discipline a nonverbal child? <laughs> I don't, um it's very hard yeah i mean because you you you, you I, I would say uh i don't really know how how successfully i can discipline him in terms of the traditional ways of you know doing um uh of of like taking something away or having them perform an extra task, none of that correlates to what they've done. Um, and so I would say that it, there is, while there's consequences for things, um, it, it's not in the traditional disciplinary way. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yell at him if he's in the store screaming um, because the noise from the lights is making him crazy, <laughs> is, is buzzing in his head. If he starts getting upset, I'm not going to yell at him and discipline him for being uh, for an outburst in public. That's not something he can really control. Um, if he's doing something deliberately, uh, and and Anthony at 14 is learning to push my buttons, um, so he's like <laughs> like any other kid. Oh, you know, I'm just kind of you have to be a little bit more uh, creative about about discipline, I would say in a light way, because I'm not even sure it qualifies for discipline. I think it's more negotiating than, than it is <laughs> disciplining uh, because it does. I don't know, Phil, you may find it different, but I can't imagine 
any use of force would be helpful or any uh, additional tenor would be helpful in trying to correct the behavior, which is ultimately what you want to do. You want the behavior to correct itself or, or to not be whatever it was. Um, yeah, no, my son actually, you know, you know how they say uh, autistic kids can't really tell facial expressions, but mm -hmm. I, I do this look to my son. <laughs> and he gets it. Yep. <laughs> yep. See that? And he'll get it. So it works. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So and so it's the same for Anthony and I. If I if it's if he's done something very bad, I'll actually make him look at me in the eyes. Uh, and because you know that that is something they struggle with. Once they once he gets that eye contact with me, he knows we're, we're serious. Um, oh, see, that's and, something that it's a good way to know mm -hmm. to tell people how to communicate. Maybe you know they don't know. Yep. As, as Anthony's gotten older, wow. how how has the public perception of him been? Because you know, we my son's still young. We get a mm -hmm. lot of stares. You know, yeah. he he does mm -hmm. the he does the walking on the tippy toes, the flapping on his arms, and he does mm -hmm. the 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 autistic screeching a lot of times in public. So you know, we've gotten to the point where we don't want to take him out sometimes because we're just worried about public opinion. How has that how has that affected your family, or do you even not care? Well, I, yeah, that was kind of a yeah. So I just from the beginning was like, yeah, I'm not going to care what other people think too much. I've I've gotten those looks, especially in the grocery store, because, mm. um, you know, those tend to be <laughs> those tend to be the the, the wonderfully um, advanced older ladies that will tell me that I need to, you know, corral my son. Well, it's not important enough for me to have to to make him behave. But, you know, I mean, I won't let him climb the walls or anything, but um, we get the looks. But I also. Uh, I don't, um, I don't, I don't feed into other people. If they, if I see that there's a real unusual, um, like somebody getting ready to voice their opinion, um, I'll kind of step in and, and, and try to be as positive as possible with them. But, um, I, I just, I refuse to let him be anything but Anthony yeah. within realm. Now, if he was trying to hurt somebody or if there was something like that, um, that'd be a different story, but. I, I can appreciate that it's some of it is our own embarrassments. I think sometimes um, they don't, the, the, Anthony doesn't feel it. I'm probably the one that feels it. And right. so I, if I can, you know, if he can deal with it, then I can deal with it. If your son's not bothered by the looks, then don't worry, don't worry about it. You know? <laughs> wow. Keep him out there. Keep him around people. So, um, Beth, what would you like to share with other parents of children with autism? Any? I think staying, uh, staying optimistic uh, through the whole journey of their childhood um, is important. I think, um, and, and, and then staying realistic. You know, I want to know that there's a possibility. I'm working towards the goal of Anthony's adulthood being independent. Uh, and trying to give him all of the, the skills that he'll need for that, including a career skill um, and life skills. We just uh, we just started learning how to do laundry. Okay, um, cool. So know, starting to learn how to do cooking, doing all of those things, going through the motions of ultimately having independence be the goal, and then you fill in behind there what what may or may not actually happen, but you don't know until you try. Right. You're, so you don't know what they're capable of until you give it a try. So what do you see for Anthony's future and his career and living arrangements? 
Uh, so we have a facility here in, and there's a few of them. Uh, it's, it's not even a facility. It's an organization called Hope House, mm-hmm. um, which I'm, I'm only mentioning them because I'm familiar with them. There's mm-hmm. several other places that will do this. Uh, but they they have staff on they have folks on staff twenty four hours a day uh, that will pop in on people with um, uh, disabilities that live on their own in their own apartments. So I ultimately I'd like to see him be in a situation where he has his own life. He gets up, he goes to work every day, uh, and he you know comes home and he feeds himself. He has you know perhaps has girlfriends um, or a wife one day. And it is possible, and I hear stories all the time that when a child is diagnosed with autism, you almost feel like it's that's it, it's it's over. But it's it's not. There are children that go on and live a normal, almost say normal life. They get jobs. They do work. There's, you know, it's all depends. about. I get it, but they yeah. they can. They it can it can it can happen. It, it happens more often than not. Yeah, I think so. Parents that are willing to um, to foster the skills that their child has. Like I said, you figure out what his talent is, what he loves to do, and use that as your learning tool for him. Um, you know, but I have to ask you a question. Because you and I did speak off the air one time um, mm-hmm. that with other countries, um, I know we're in America, we're here, that's what we need to, we're focusing on here, but mm-hmm. what is some of the other countries doing for their children or the children when they're born with autism? So the thing that we talked about, um, because it, it fed into my search for how to teach Anthony. Um, but it's the, uh, the IDD or the Israeli defense, uh, department, um, which is the Israeli army or military, uh, and it is a mandatory service for all of its citizens. Um, and, they have the same burgeoning population of children that are on the spectrum and they would be naturally excluded from obligatory service. Uh, well, that didn't sit very well for a lot of the parents of these children because it was a pride thing. They wanted their child to still be able to participate and they knew they had some skills that could, that could allow them to participate. Uh, and they, over a, a decade or so, developed a, a unit that is solely made up of children on or adults that are on the spectrum that have the unique ability to do certain things that the military was able to find useful in the overall production of their military. Nice. Uh, I'm not saying that we want to advertise or advocate for any kind of military actions, but for example, they have several uh, adults in the unit that are capable of seeing, spotting something on a camera that is a very minute change in a moment's notice, much quicker than uh, what an algorithm could pick up because they'd still have to have somebody um, read the data and much more efficiently than anyone, uh, than most of the wow. neurotypicals in the in the unit, these, these young men were able to do that really rapidly. And so they, they almost created a unit around the special skills that, um, that the adults, the coming into adulthood or the children coming into adulthood um, would have. And really the biggest training they had to do was teaching them how to interact with each other because now you've got an entire unit of children who lack a social skills. (laughs) Um, So so they're really, you know, but there is, there's, that's the thought. The idea is 
they do have so much to offer us and, and, and so many unique splinter skills or savant splinter skills is what I think they call them, where they're experts in a certain, in a certain area, um, although they may lack in other areas and they may need additional help in, in some of the more mundane parts of life. They have a skill that is above and beyond what anyone else can wow, do. Wow, that is amazing. You have to figure out what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is amazing. Um, is Anthony home? <laughs> he is home. Does he want uh, to say hi? <laughs> I could. Uh, let me see if I can go get him. Hold on. He's so yeah. handsome. <laughs> while, while she's while she's doing Anthony. That, um, Anthony, been amazing. Yeah, isn't that like? When she told me that, I was like, oh, my God, that is like fa- fantastic. It's fabulous. I mean, they're doing. So this is Anthony. Can you say hi? hi. Hey, Anthony. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what do they want? <laughs> <laughs> do you ready to go back to your room? Oh, it's precious. I love it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's my pride and joy um Beautiful. and that's oh we've got some other people i need I'm some sorry. too <laughs> i need some too <laughs> sorry beth oh beth oh no it's, it's tears of joy it's it's, it's, such, it's, a, beautiful, it's such a beautiful yeah. such a beautiful wow beautiful sight he's such a beautiful human and yeah as i'm sure as i'm sure you have with your son it's you know it's a relationship that you you become their everything, but that's okay because yeah. that's what you signed up for. You know, when you became a dad and I became a mom, we we signed up for the good, bad, and 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 all the of ugly. The <laughs> 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 oh my god! Well, Beth, I want to thank you both for coming on to this podcast and to share our listeners your experiences and hopefully this podcast will encourage people to realize that they're not alone and you definitely thank you very are. much beth for coming up. thank <laughs> you so much beth i appreciate thank it you. and i appreciate you allowing me to tell anthony's story yes anthony's story all right, all right. love you guys we'll catch all you right later. all right arrivederci talk to you soon bye bye oh, my gosh. <laughs>